Hi, and welcome to another episode of Kentarkis. My name is Michael Yon, and this episode is People of Earth, Humanity. So, to start off, I'm going to ask uh, a few questions to Kentarkis, and then after that, Kentarkis has more to say. So, welcome, Kentarkis. And my first question is, how and why is time speeding up for us on Earth? You know, the funny thing, Michael, that's a question that I've been asked by a few people over the years. And when I give them the explanation, probably uh, between 50 and, say, 70% of them can't believe that. They believe it's got something to do with the atmosphere, um, something to do with God speeding up time, something to do with um, natural um, phenomenons. The funny thing is, Michael, it's not true, any of it. The reason everything speeds up is our thought consciousness. We think certain things and we're conditioned by certain things. And what we don't realize is we have personally, each of us, has sped up time in our own world of understanding through conditioning of the way society lives with society's expectations. So in truth, the reason time has sped up is not a phenomenon. It simply is us as a, as a species. And we're getting to a point now where we're saying, and you've heard me say this, we haven't got enough time to complete our tasks through the day. And yet that in reality is not true because it's us doing it. We're working on another level of consciousness to create that way of thinking. And we need to change that. We need to slow down. By slowing ourselves down, we start to think on a different level of understanding. So is it going to get to a point, to some cap, where it's like, oh, we really have to consciously slow this down because it has got just ridiculously fast? Is that is it going to get faster and eventually stop? It'll get faster, mm. but the problem is most of society... As the human race, the people, they will not fully understand what is happening. They will just see it as it is, without questioning what is actually happening. That's the sad part. Mm. And yes, eventually humanity will actually see that there is something strange going on. Our day seems to be disappearing faster. Our nights are becoming shorter because we didn't have a good sleep. It's how we think, Michael. It's our thinking that changes everything. And because we all have become so highly conditioned to our thinking understanding, we're thinking like everybody else, like your neighbours, like your neighbourhood, like your town, like your cities, like your countries, all over the world. We're doing the same thing. And we don't realise... We're doing it to ourselves. To what degree is this related to technology? Well, I think it's got to have at least, um, I think, a 60 to 80% impact upon the way we are with new technology coming out. People want everything now. They don't want to wait. In the old days, you know, it doesn't matter how far you go back. In, in the old days, if you were shoeing a horse, they didn't say to themselves, how long is it going to take? 
They just did it and they accepted whatever that time factor was because most of them didn't live to time back then. Some did, but most didn't. They just did it. It's like if you go out to plough a field back then, say 200 years ago, the person would get in whatever they're doing, whatever type of machinery they have, whether it's old age or modern, they would just go out there, turn it on or push it and work until they finish. And by the time they finish, they look up and they say, oh, yes, it started to get dark. So they call that the end of the day. But they didn't work to a time factor. Today, farmers, everybody, whether you're in business, whether you're on the road, truck driver, they're all working to time. And I've noticed truck drivers, Michael, they're becoming more game. They're pushing. They're pushing their, their trucks so hard to get to that next destination because they've been told if they don't get there, they lose a percentage of their profit. And that's really sad. Mm. Right? We have to change the way we think. And we can. Wow, yeah, thanks. Um, uh, the next question is, uh, in Australia, we have a new government, and I was just wondering, do you have any comments on this? Okay. This is going to be a little bit controversial because I think there's a very large sector of society worldwide that either can't accept, won't accept, because they have a great fear of change, that even though we change a government nothing is going to change what actually is being planned for humanity. We can say, okay, the Scott, Scott Morrison government's gone. Well, in a way they are, in a way they're not. They'll have a high-paid position. They will get that because they've been promised that. The new government comes in, yes, they'll do a few things that look like they're doing something, but in reality, they're still going to follow the same format because there's been a global agreement signed by over 160 countries all around the world to join in for this, I suppose, venture, um, conspiracy, terrorism, tyranny, whatever you want to call it, because the elite, the high elite that are doing this are criminals. They're murderers. And they have a mission, and they've been doing this mission for a very long time in their planning. And no matter what we do as a people, nothing's going to change unless we physically take back our power. So no, Michael, no, the governments won't change. They'll just keep, they'll look like they're changing, but the agenda is the same. Yeah, I see. Actually, that goes into my next question. Why don't people for themselves stand up for the government? Oh, I say that again. Why don't people stand up for themselves to the government? Okay. You know, you know, like, um, say you take, I'll give you an example about a child. We spoke about this when we did the, um, the episode on narcissism. If you take, say, a child, say at the age of two, two or three, and say you're a mother or a father and you have a lot of vindictiveness towards your partner that you're no longer with. So you want to get back at that partner. 
And what you do, what you do is through a child. Now, how horrible is that Mm. to destroy a child's life that is part of you just to get back at a partner because you're not happy because they've asked you to leave or they've kicked you out or they've divorced you or whatever. Now, the sad part, Michael, is that child is going to be brainwashed by that person in a certain way to turn the energy of their thinking of their love for their mother or father against them and they'll become the enemy. And that's the really sad part. When that person grows up, their whole level of understanding has been highly conditioned, just like most of human population on this planet Earth. If they believe in reincarnation, then they must also believe that they have had many different life experiences from being incarnated many times over. Right back then, even 10,000 years, 100,000 years, the same system that we have today is still running. The only difference is we're living in a more modern time with more modern technology. But the people who are narcissists right back 10,000 or 100,000 years ago had been still doing the same things, creating all the wars, creating all the misery, creating all the pain because they want to dominate. But nobody's ever stopped long enough to see what actually is happening because they're stressed out or they're fearful of change or they have a lot of fear. And fear stops anyone from achieving or progressing forward. And that's the hard part, Michael. Or standing up for themselves. Or standing up for themselves. Mm. Now, I'll give you just a very interesting little story that happened to me this morning. I took my little boy to school and I came back and I saw Woolies and I said, oh, the little Woolies Centre, the new one, because now, you know, being in Toowoomba, and I decided to go in there and check out how much the um, haircuts were and make an appointment. I got up there and the lady said to me, oh, no, you don't have to make an appointment. You can come in here any time we start at 9 o'clock. And whoever is in first gets their haircut. So I went to the toilet and I came back at two minutes to nine. And there was a, a youngish type man, probably just under 30 or maybe just 32 or 33. And he was going to cut my hair. And he was very quietly spoken, very um, polite, very well-mannered. And he asked me how I actually want my hair, so I described it. And he did exactly as I wanted in every way. And he did more than any hairdresser has ever done. He even, like, shaved my the back of my neck, the side of my head on either side. Um, he even put a towel and he damped my face in a nice warm towel with a very pleasant odour did the back of my neck and put a nice um, after spray on, whatever you call it. And we were talking about different things and I found out that he's from Iraq and he went through hell with his parents over there. Very, very sad, some of the things he told me. But he didn't want to say too much, he said, because he felt embarrassed. And he said to me, he said, what are those two pictures on your chest? Because I had my 
uh, my shirt on that's got the book of knowledge, I'm alien and entrapment. And I explained to him all about that. And he said, he said, why did you write that one entrapment? And I explained very briefly about emotions and love versus unconditional love and all that type of stuff, responsibility, everything, truth. And he said, where can I buy this book? And I said, yes, you can buy it on Amazon uh, or you can buy it through me. He said, um, would you have a copy? I said, in my car. He said, may I buy it? Right. And I said, it's not an issue. But I decided to give it to him instead. And uh, I went and got it and gave it to him. And he was very, very appreciative. And he talked about emotion. He said how fearful their people are. And this is what I'm trying to say about fear. Fear comes on so many different levels of experiences or understanding. And sometimes it's hard to fathom why you won't stand up for your own truth, your own individuality, because you've been conditioned for so long. I said to him also because of the genetic transfer of fear and conditioning through emotion. And he actually fully understood that, which was really interesting. I was really impressed. So what's really sad is how people go through life from a young age and experience sometimes hell on earth in so many ways when it comes to war, comes to being homeless, um, nowhere to live, not knowing where you'll get your next piece of bread from to feed your children. And that is disgusting, Michael. That is mm. so disgusting that these warmongers have no heart, no empathy, and yet we allow them to run the country. We allow them to create miserable wars where the human individual suffers so badly and also their family. So many children are slaughtered, raped by these soldiers, um, made homeless. They grow up in such anger, such hatred. And we wonder why the hatred continues through every generation because it's being transferred through the genetics, and no one looks at that. No one will will admit that that's the possibility, and it's a possibility 100%. Until we learn to understand that this is a reality and we need to try and find some way to help these children release that hate, that pain, that misery, it will just be transferred onto their children. And it goes through every generation, no matter what. And that's why humanity is the way it is. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, my next question uh, might relate as it relates to uh, fear. Why do we find it hard to make decisions or know our purpose? Okay. Well, again, fear is one of the greatest um, threats to um, any conscious being. If we grow up in fear... Fear will follow us through life. And if it follows us through life, then we are very limited in what we achieve from life. Don't you think that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's one of the hardest. What was that second part of that question? Yeah, how do we make decisions and also know our purpose? Okay. Knowing your purpose has to come from balance. And balance, you must have a balanced 
say, human brain of understanding in your life to say, know what purpose you are going to achieve in life. If you have fear, if you have no balance, then you'll never know your purpose and you'll follow blindly through life and you'll always feel dissatisfied. What I discovered in myself is quiet time. The only way to find balance and to understand what you want from life or what you wish to achieve is to find the quiet time within yourself so you can stop the chatter, the confusion of the human brain. Because I've been told by so many people throughout my life that they go to bed so confused in their thoughts and they can't stop it. And I'm going to say this, the only way you can stop that confusion, that chatter, is to discipline yourself in whatever you wish to achieve or discover. And when you sit in the stillness of your mind, the chatter will continue because it's part of your experiences, part of your emotions, negative especially. But if you sit in the stillness of your mind long enough, and I mean like 10, 15, 20 minutes, five minutes every day to start with, after a week, try to do 10 minutes. Stay on 10 minutes for another two weeks and try to increase that. And what you'll discover, and this is 100% guaranteed, if you allow the natural process of your mind to come into play. See, your mind will sit back because it's energy. It's not the brain. And you know what's really interesting? My wife said something very, very interesting to me this morning when I was having some lunch before I came to do the podcast. She said, it's only about a 100 people on this entire planet that truly, truly understand that the brain is not the mind. It is separate. The mind is living energy and it moves constantly in all different directions and it's everywhere. It's not just around you, it's everywhere, but it's connected directly to your soul, which is your in, your totality, your infinite self. But the brain is in your head and it's the conditioning of all the experiences, be it negative or positive, that take that on. And what it does through your own ego that develops over all these lifetimes of fear, in most cases, it dissects everything that you experience or what the mind puts over to you. And because of the way it's been conditioned, it only allows so much for your brain to withdraw that information and try and give you the answer that you're seeking. But when you stop the chatter, you will find the mind will open up like a vortex of knowledge to you because you're separate in that state of meditation. And what you can then ask is any question that you want directly from the mind because that link comes from the soul. The chatter will stop over a period of time because it knows it can't do any better. It's limited. 
And the interesting part about the brain, the brain will eventually stop the confusion, stop the chatter and actually listen because it has to be taught. And no one on this planet actually teaches that the brain wants to learn. It literally wants to learn. But the more confusion, the more fear it gets, the less it will give out. So the chatter must stop to find the balance. Hmm. Realizing how, yeah, a lot of the questions I have are very related because my next one kind of clicks into this as well. Why are so many of us angry, emotional, and impatient? Okay. Okay. Angry, emotional, and impatient. To me, all those words adds up to one thing, ego. The ego wants everything, as I said before, now. It wants to experience everything. And it becomes so frustrated when it can't achieve something. It's because it's not balanced. Patience is taught. It just doesn't happen. We have to teach ourselves to be patient. And once we start to teach ourselves, like in other words, if say you were trying to tell me something that made all these this total sense and I said, no, 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 Michael. No, 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 Michael. And that's all I was saying. That means I'm impatient to listen. But if I just stopped and said, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, I'm just going to wait for a minute and I'm going to listen to what this man Michael is trying to say to me. I don't care if it's right or wrong or good or bad. I'm just going to listen. And halfway through listening, you get upset again and you say, no, 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 no. That's the impatient coming out because that's all the human brain understands. That's what it's giving you, Michael, at that moment. But if you stop and learn to have that patience, what's given to you can be so valuable in your future decisions as a human being. That's why we need to put our egos aside and we need to learn to listen to wisdom. Now, I'll tell you an interesting little thing. I know this for a fact, that governments around the entire world could not sit with alien beings from another vibration or another world unless they could um, capture their technology to use it against other nations they feel secure because they have no wisdom. If these aliens were just giving wisdom, they wouldn't want that and they would discard them as idiots. Wisdom is the greatest saviour in all of existence if it comes from the heart. Only the heart understands wisdom because that wisdom comes directly from your soul to your heart. Yeah, good, good. And that's that's been that way for nine hundred twenty nine hundred twenty eight thousand years of human evolution. And and yeah, and this has literally happened, right? Aliens have come here offering wisdom and we've just wanted technology to fight ourselves. That's right. Mm. 
Yeah, that's all we've ever done, Michael, for 928,000 years, basically, is kill each other. <laughs> and have a guess who's doing all that. It's all the, all the warmongers that want to dictate the rest of us. And all they do is push us into, you know, like the king, the king over the bow, over the, over the uh, river is really bad. And he wants to take over our lands. So the people are stupid enough to believe it. Mm. And they believe what their king or whoever is saying it. So they all go to war and half of them will die, slaughtered. And half of them are lying on the field waiting to die because they've been chopped up so bad. I mean, that's, that's gone throughout human history. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my next question is, why are we so technologically advanced yet suffer so much disease? Okay. Well, Michael, that's a that's a interesting question to answer because it depends where we're looking at from. Like if we were looking at purely from, say, Earth and the population we have now and also presently 2022, which is in reality uh, non-existence, it's not the truth. But our technology today comes from a few different sources. The first source was um, Nikola Tesla. His inventions created the pathway for humanity, especially when it came to, say, microwaves, anything like that, or generators. Same with television. We wouldn't have television today, or microwaves, or even our mobile phones. I mean, look at their mobile phones. The technology of the the mobile phones is just incredible. But if you look at technology on, say, other worlds, like, say, the Ilias, which is an interesting race in itself, all ginger-haired, females and males, light ginger, dark ginger hair, their technology is so far, it's like 18 million years ahead of ours here on Earth, right? If we go, say, to the Nakarons, well, we're looking at 27 million years in evolution, so basically 20, 26 million years ahead of us. And I think most humans would find it very hard to adapt their consciousness if I gave an explanation, a full explanation of their technology. I mean, they use living energy through their conscious thoughts. They can project their conscious thoughts on these massive screens that are like, say, 50 metres long, 20 metres high, where they build their massive ships, for instance. And their thought consciousness, all they do is put their hand on this device and it picks up everything about that being, that Nakaron. And through that level of thinking, he or she can project a thought and it picks up those thoughts and creates the diagram exactly as their thoughts in, in the most perfectest form. Huh. Now, that's technology. They can put you under a machine and transparently remove the solidness of your body and, and see transparently every single organ functioning at the same time. And they can then pour in living energy through their own devices into a spot where you may have, say, a fracture in, say, your knee. You may have split your cartilage 
and they can literally see it being mended by living energy, which takes about probably 10 to 15 seconds. I mean, that's technology, Michael. Yeah. Right? So we are advanced, but we're also advanced by an alien race at the moment. And it's a really hard subject to get onto because this alien race are the cause and will be the cause of humanity's demise to what they're trying to do to humanity. And it's been going on for a long time. In fact, 452 years ago. And it's still happening today. And that technology is going to be our enemy, especially the phones. And that's where the issue is. So, and then, so, so my question, because it related to disease as well. So really, I mean, we're not that advanced and that's, I mean, I'll ask that question again as it relates to disease. Why are we so technologically advanced yet suffer so much disease? Okay. The, the funny part about um, disease, Michael, is it's disease is a figment of the imagination. Now, everybody in the science world, in the, in the doctor's world, would just laugh at me for saying that. They say, well, you can see disease. You know, the person's dying. They've got um, herpes. They've got um, cancer. They've got this. They've got that. But what they don't understand is that every single human individual creates their own disease. And their diseases are all created through emotion and always negative. If you say to yourself that my father had cancer, so I'm going to have cancer and I'll probably die at 54 the same age as him. Well, you probably will because that's what you've actually placed into your cellular structure. You're saying that. You might say it, um, you know, once a day or once a week for the next 50 years and then you're dead. And that's what happens. Also, there's transfer of certain genes that are more susceptible to cancer. Now, that will come out in that person because they're conditioned to speak of it from their parents' own experience through their genetics in their life. And that's another issue. We have to learn to realize that we are individuals and when we're born, we are no longer attached to our mother and father from a physical perspective. We are literally running our own motor, which is our body, for ourselves. And if we can learn to realize that even though it's my father and mother that helped create me, I am not my father and I am not my mother. Genetically, but we can change that through our own thought consciousness, through self-awareness. We can cure any disease if we have an understanding of what we're made up of. And we are made up of living energy. Nothing more, nothing less. And living energy is the totality of the entire universes, which there are trillions of universes. Now, if we, say, get the flu because someone's coughed in our face or sneezed in our face, I've had people say to me, well, you know, you must believe in the flu because you've got it. I said, yeah, I've got it, but I don't talk about it. I just go through the process because my body's immune system is naturally weaker at the moment. So 
by having this, my my natural immune system will strengthen, and the next time someone sneezes in my face, more than likely I won't get it. That's what normally happens. But also it comes to your foods, what you consume in your body. If you put nothing but junk in your body for most of your life, then yeah, you are more susceptible by at least 90%, if not more, to getting flus, to getting common colds, to having aches and pains, arthritis, leukemia, cancer, heart disease, and everything else that goes with it. Because as we grow older, we become lazy. And we don't do the things that we used to, and we need to. I mean, I trained yesterday, and I had a really good workout. I loved it, bouncing, going to town like I was only 12. But I must admit, when I sat down after I had dinner, I was just sitting there for about half an hour. I felt like an old man. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but today I feel I feel perfectly fine because I was tired. We each have to recuperate under our own understanding. If you can recuperate quick, then that's brilliant. Mm. Some people can't. Mm. Um, next question is, can you talk about life expectancy, past, present, and future? When you say life expectancies, do you, are you talking about... Um, how long uh, they live. How long a person will live? Yeah, because okay. in the past there were examples of people that uh, lived quite a lot longer, and we have, and then we, and it's been shorter recently, like the last two hundred, five hundred years, maybe. Yeah, and it's increased slowly now. I just wondered if you could comment okay. on that. Okay, okay. If we went back, say, um, let's say three hundred years. No, let's go back. Sorry, I got, I got to go more. Three thousand years. If we went back three thousand years ago, the average person's life expectancy was around about between 32 to about 47. That's about how old a person would be before they died. Most of the time they died because of, um, like, say, not so much pollution, more so that they never had clean water. The water that they were drinking um, would have a lot of um, highly toxins that came deep from in the earth. And we have to realise that the earth itself has been turning around and moving, having volcanoes exploding, you know, hills rising up, hills rising down, other hills rising up again. So whatever was in the past, going back 928,000 years ago, all the toxins that were then are still actually in the earth. All the bacterias still exist. I mean, they're finding bacteria in, a, in um, Antarctica that could be like, say, 40 million years old. And it's, it's alive, Michael. It's alive. They take scrapings and they put it under and they can see it moving. And yet that is as old as, as the dawn of time in a sense. Yeah, wow. So microscopic organisms seem to have the ability to survive far more superior than we do. Now, if we go back, say, even 200 years ago, there was a lot of newfounder diseases coming out. Whatever the reason was, it doesn't really matter because if I went into it, people wouldn't believe me anyway. Remember I told you, Michael, about the alien race that came here 452 years ago? Well, they were experimenting on humans all over the place. And they were also doing the most barbaric um, operations and a lot of things that, 
you know, you just wouldn't do from a human perspective. And they were also spreading disease to see how effectively that disease would affect humanity. And a lot of those viruses and bacteria would eventually go into the earth and be dormant for a thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand, whatever years. And they'll come out somewhere later on when they're dug up. One of the things today is in our industrialized world, when it first started, I think it's about 400 years ago, something like that, the toxicity in creating, say, modern machinery back then um, to make steel, all the other things, chemically, there were lots of residue. And a lot of that residue was thrown into the waterways because they never thought anything of it. So people were drinking it and they were dying young. It might take, you know, 30 years, but they die of cancer, bowel cancer, stomach cancer, lung cancer, whatever. But they did. And through the ages, all the wars we've had, the average person didn't live beyond 30 in some cases because they were born, they grew up, and they were fighting wars at the age of 16, 15, 18, 20, 30, and they were all killed slaughtered so a lot of people don't realize that the reason why a lot of people died young was because of wars because we've had so many of them 157,000 violent wars in less than a million years today there are a lot more reasons michael why people are now dying in the last 20 years let's say 20 years What's been going on secretly in laboratories and all that is the creation of bacteria that they've been testing on humanity in all different parts of the world. A lot of the cases, people die and people survive. Then they travel to other countries. But inside their bodies, deep in their muscular tissues and their fatty tissues, these bacterias are dormant, waiting for the right opportunity. So when they're intimate with another one from another country, there is what they call biological um, um, body transfer. And there's genes that go in with it. And within all that structure of liquid fluid, there could be bacteria. And it's transformed to another human and another human and another human. And it might be dormant for, for 200, 300, 500 years. And suddenly we got all this... Um, disease going on people are dying of this strange disease no one knows why and it, it could come from the past or be passed on through generations and suddenly come out when it's strong because what it's doing inside your body is rejuvenating itself and becoming stronger because that's what bacteria and viruses do they become stronger they make strands sometimes hundreds of strands a lot of the times they're weaker but sometimes they're stronger. And as I said to you about a lot of countries like America and also um, even Russia, Russia, Europe, a lot of the European countries, they create bacteria that is so deadly that could kill humanity so many times over. It could kill all of life. It's that bad. And they have places where they create all this and they're either deep underground and they're frozen, those things are frozen, 
And if they ever released it or got released, you could say goodbye to humanity and all forms of life. Wow. Yeah, it would be horrible. And you've got to ask yourself the question, why would a society want to do that? Well, to me, I, I, I would answer that. My guess would be that um, whoever's decided to actually do it wants to cull humanity. They want to take it from 100% to 10% or something. That's that right. seems like a decent reason to me. There's there's a guy that I can't remember his name, Michael. He's he's just opened up um, a company under Bitcoin. I can't Bitcoin? Remember, yeah, Bitcoin, sorry. And he's opened up a new platform for parts of Australia like Queensland and a couple of other countries so they can start becoming millionaires and wealthy. What's really interesting is this guy reminds me of Sean Crowley out of my book called The Dream Assassin, Volume 1, where he puts over this um, scenario that he's this really good, loving human. But deep down he's not because apparently he also stated to the press that he wants to, and he's apparently they're working at it by having every single human with um, – a microchip placed in the brain where they can control all of humanity because that chip in the actual human brain, once it's, once it's turned on and the code is entered, they can then send out certain frequencies. In those frequencies is like commands, conditioning, and they can make you feel good, make you feel bad, make you feel angry. That's not how he sells it, though, is it? No, he, he probably sells it that we can we can have a better life because of it. Well, he never technology. He, he, can... ne- he never actually said that. From oh, what wow. I from what I gather, I'm not sure exactly what was said, but it's also the way he said it. And he's connected to all these people that are trying to um, reduce the population of humanity by over three billion people. And there was another guy who just made a comment. And he's a part of it. He actually stated this at a massive conference for the elite that 50 years ago, we started trying to formulate something where we could cull the human population by half. And then he came out and said it, which was actually recorded by someone that I think we're now achieving that at this at this moment or we've achieved it at this moment, because they know that these people who have had the vaxxers, especially the two plus the booster, are basically the walking dead. And that's really, really, really bad. That's really bad. That It's disastrous, Michael, because... Well, isn't it the best? Like, isn't that how... Isn't that their best shot? You know what I mean? Isn't that the... The, the vaccines, even more than COVID, is the actual way that they're going to yes. eliminate so many people? They've actually, this is what's really interesting, and I think a lot of people don't understand that because they're saying, why aren't we all dead? Right? But if, <laughs> I heard on the, on the, on the a news when I was waiting for my son about two days ago at the school, and it's, this guy said, I cannot believe, he said, 52 people died in 24 hours in Queensland. He said, 52. And he said, over 30,000 people have been recorded in hospitals with COVID. But what they don't say, Michael, what they don't say, 
is the most interesting factor, probably less than 0.01% are unvaxxed. The rest are all vaxxed who are actually getting covert or whatever they're getting. That's the interesting factor. And no one is releasing that. They're just saying, look at the amount of people getting um, covert. You've got to have your needle. It's what they call the panic stage. Now, what I've noticed in Toowoomba is a lot of people wearing masks. They're all scared because of the BS that's being put out there. Mm. That's the sad part. Mm. So the expectancy of life, Michael, my, sorry, the expectancy of life is really up to the individual. You can make your life balanced. You can make your life profitable. You can make your life how would you say, flow with everything else or you can make it a simple misery by eating junk food, drinking lots of alcohol, smoking poison cigarettes, um, taking deadly drugs, <laughs> taking the vax, um, and yes, you're going to die young. Right? And that's the sad part. Or you can say, I need to be healthy. My parents were sick, so I need to be healthy. So you can then say, I'm going to change my genetics by becoming healthy. Or if you're more aware, you can say, I'm going to communicate with my cellular structure to say that I am 100% healthy in every way. Hmm. People don't understand that expression because they think that's impossible. It's like a car. If I go into my car and it drives really well, and if I decide to empty the oil out and say I can run my car on water or on seawater, so I put all seawater into my oil container, I start the car up, suddenly the motor burns out. That's like the human body. If you, say, put junk food into your body, it, may t it will take longer, but that junk food doesn't have the nutrition to give you self-awareness because it doesn't, what's the word, excite your cellular structure. It doesn't ignite it to a point where it feels so brilliant, it will literally buzz within your body and you'll actually feel healthy. You'll feel brilliant and you can make good decisions because you've got a healthy body brain, mind, to make those decisions what you want from life. Mm. That's the thing. You have to change your thinking. Mm. Mm. Just like the placebo effect. Yes. The placebo effect proves that it is our belief that um, can have such an amazing impact. That's absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And believing. You know how I used to say to you, yeah. if you believe something beyond all doubt, that it must manifest itself into your reality. And if it doesn't, then put more energy into it and it will. But what you put into something is what you get out, whether it's negative or positive. Hmm. Uh, speaking of life expectancy, Kentakis, I wanted to also ask you about times in the past, like maybe several thousand years ago, where time was slower, I understand, from you. And there were people that did live longer 
for instance, uh, Buddha that lived, I think, 518 years. Can you express some more about that? Yes. Um, you know what's really interesting about the time factor, Michael? Let's say let's say we're looking at a monastery, right, and the way they lived their life um, back then, say a little over 3,000 years ago. They would live a life without a time factor whatsoever. They would always wake up early because they used to go to bed early. And when they awoke, they already knew what they were going to do. They would ponder in the gardens where they grew all their herbs and vegetables. They even had little fruit trees. They actually grew a lot of their own things in some of these monasteries. Buddha spent lots of time reading old scriptures. And he would actually um, rectify the, the scriptures where they were actually incorrect and and the the um one of the one of the um lamas that lived there and that was under buddha but before that he would say you can't do this buddha you know and he said why not he would say well he said this has been written by very great masters but he says if a master is wrong why can it not be rewritten he said, you believe and you experience what I express? He says, yes. And you know that that could be wrong? He said, yes. Then why can it not be rewritten? And he had no answer. Because this one was his teacher for 62 years. When he first was placed in by his father into the actual temple. So he even said, well, then you must do what you must do. So Buddha would actually change it. But through the day, it's like Buddha would just sit around, he would talk a lot, express the words that were written, then he'd rewrite, and he actually rewrote the entire system of what Buddhism was all about. And he wrote it that you can never be a carnivore if you are a disciple of knowledge because it will interfere with your genetic structure and change it for the better but not the wiser because what it does it literally changes and lowers your genetic understanding from each lifetime if that's what you are but if you eat foods that are inspirational and fresh like vegetables that are grown in good soil without the toxic poisons that a lot of vegetables and fruit are grown today, you will grow much better in consciousness with fruit and vegetables that are not soiled by toxins. Now, the interesting thing, on the other side of the fence, Let's say how the people lived in a village, let's say 300 kilometers away. They were always being attacked by bandits. So their life became stressful, became fearful, where some of their people were murdered, women were stolen, raped, forced to have the bandits' children. So time factor was slow. 
everything was about pain. And whenever there is pain, time just seems to drag on because that's your level of understanding. Where in the Buddha temple, it was all about peace, balance and harmony. And no one ran ran around with their tails on fire. So time there was much slower. But where you went another, say, 200 kilometers to where the massive temple was, where they were always creating war against another nation, time seems to go really, really fast, faster, not as fast as it is today. So again, what my point is, it is our conscious thinking that determines how fast time actually goes. Now, what's really interesting is we started at 11.30 and it's 12.33. And to me, it's been a long hour. (laughs) (laughs) This this recording has been a long hour for you, yeah. (laughs) No, it's, it's not so much the recording, Michael. It's we've got a lot in that one hour. Yet if I was outside trying to rush around because I needed to finish something, that one hour would have just gone click and gone. That's what I'm trying to say. It's us, Michael, because we are living consciousness and we're made up of over four quadrillion cells of living energy. That creates our entire existence. And when we go through life experiencing so many different forms of emotion, be it negative or positive, that governs also our time factor. I mean, have you have you never had a person say to you, geez, it's been a long day. And every time you see them, they say, oh, God, time seems to be dragging. Hmm. And yet they're probably more balanced than most of us. Hmm. Other people say to you, Oh, my God, I can't get nothing done. It just goes so quick. And that's their daily life. So the only way to answer that is it's us. We are doing it. And the more we are involved in the construction of human society and live like that, we become a part of it and our time factor speeds up. And so for Buddha, his... his um he was existing in slow time, which probably felt pleasant and fast anyway, and therefore yes. he didn't age That's right. badly, and therefore he lived a very long time. Yeah. He was very deep into um, visualization and meditation and imagination, and he believed that everything is created through visualization. The more we can visualize in a positive way, the more we grow consciously. But when we have wars, violence, fear, pain, misery, um, constant um, headaches, we eat bad foods, we are creating our destiny. And we are also creating humanity's future. We all need to really stop no matter what. We can't use the excuse that if I slow down, I'll get sacked. So what? Oh, but I'll lose my house, my mortgage. So what? 
If you're doing this every single lifetime and you're not going to become aware of it, that's all you'll ever do. You'll never grow consciously. You'll never advance. You will never ascend. You will just always live on a planet that lives life like that. You remember that movie um, where the gophers kept coming back and it was... Groundhog Day. That's it, yeah. That's what we're doing, Michael. And mm. that movie was trying to show us that we are literally living yesterday and the day before over and over again. And we're creating the same circumstances to a point slightly different. And if you look at it, we get up in the morning, we have our coffee, we go to the toilet, we have a shower. If we do, we get dressed, we go to work or we drive to work, we we complain about the traffic, we complain about um, the fog, um, we complain about the rain, we complain about the heat, and we go to work and we're sitting at a computer or we're in a workshop doing the same thing every single day. Slightly different, but similar. That's Groundhog Day. And we need to change what we're about. And it was a very interesting statement made. I heard a guy say this um, on something I saw. I, In fact, it was Arnie Schwarzenegger just yesterday. For some unknown reason, I pressed a button on my phone while I was waiting for my son and he came up. I must have downloaded it. And he said something very interesting at that point. He said, over 80% of Americans hate their job. Literally hate their job. They feel, and he said, no satisfaction. They feel nothing. And he said, everyone used to ask me, why do I push myself five, six hours every night till 12 o'clock at night? He says, because I have a goal. And apparently that, that apparently caused the internet to go down or something. Because it, oh, so many views. Yeah, because it had so many views. Um, yeah, wow. so many, so many clicks. It caused a massive problem because they just absolutely loved it, mm. right? And he said, "Because I have a goal. Because I would say because I have an inspiration to go beyond what I am. Mm. That's why I write because I go beyond what I am. Oh, by the way, I finished my editing." And I'm now writing the last chapter. And I'm actually doing the, I just started doing the first page, about three quarters of a page, where Frank Hartley is um, out there with a film crew on the presidential grounds and talking out madly and causing a little bit of chaos um, about how Mystical Man and uh, Jasmine are waiting for their father and and um, um, Tang Yong and a few other people to come down in a big spaceship. And there's all these people out the front gates, pile with television, everything, waiting for this massive event. And that's where I'm at at the moment. Wow, this is volume two. This is volume two of the Dream Assassin. Last chapter. Last chapter where um oh. yeah where he um they're getting married, and then guess guess what comes after that? When they get married, when they get married. There's um, the cannibal, you know, I told you about the cannibal story, the cannibals. A while back. Yeah. Remember I said, I, I read, um, I read the different little synopsises to you um, about the different chapters that's going to be in volume two. Isn't that like, wasn't that in a particular town? It was actually, yes. And yeah, the right. cannibals were all over, all over the world, but they were actually oh, okay. eating young children and um, 
also um, Satanism, but they actually kidnapped uh, Jasmine without even knowing who they kidnapped. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so it gets pretty deep. The, that gets resolved. It does get resolved, yes, yes, with a lot of um, strong prejudice. Yeah. Wow. Well, th- thank you, Kentucky. You know, we've we've been talking for an hour. <laughs> we didn't. I don't think we planned to have these questions go so long because you had some more stuff to say. Did you want to express that now? Just very quickly. Just very quickly. Okay. Okay. We have to look at our lives right at this point. Every single human that listens to this or passes it on, we need to say to ourselves, yes, I do want to change. I do want to see a better way of living. I'm sick of getting up every morning and doing the same thing. I'm so bored. My head is so confused. Then we have to stop. We have to quieten the chatter within our human brain to open up the mind so we can get real, sensible wisdom, and we can ask any question of ourselves. And when we get those answers, we have to learn to put action into those answers, even a little bit. Something small is the beginning, like a baby walking, taking their first step. And the more the baby walks, the more steps that baby takes. And that's the same with us. And once we start to do that, we'll start to see more peace, more balance, more understanding. And the confusion will start to dissipate and we'll see clearly what we need to achieve in our human life. So we don't keep repeating the same BS every single lifetime without even knowing it. We'll start to grow in self-awareness. That's all I want to say, Michael. Wow. Well, thank you, Kentakis, for all that you've shared. Thank you. If you want to find out more about Kentakis, his website is etcconsciousness.com. There's references to the different uh, topics he can talk about, as well as his books, Entrapment, the the book of knowledge, I am alien and the dream assassin volume one and soon to come volume two. If you'd like to contact us, uh, please just email kentakis at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Michael Yon, and stay tuned for more.